Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Baum, the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. As you can see, I'm still all alone here, except for you folks and Jesus. Uh, Pastor Alex's schedule is kind of putting him out of pocket, in case you just tuned in today. Anyway, good to be here. Uh, God is good, and His mercy endures forever. And it's always good to, to just rise up early and to begin to seek the face of God. David said, early will I seek Him. And I believe that when we seek Him, that we'll find Him. We're going to pray this morning. If you're joining us for the first time, you have come to um, our online Bible Institute, the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, where we are doing an expository teaching presently through the book of Romans. If you're coming in late, you're really not late. We're, even though we're about 32 lessons in and 32 hours of teaching, we're just at Romans 3.25 still. So we've got, what, um, 12 and a half chapters left yet to go. So we'll have nearly 200 hours of ministry and study time going. So we want to uh, thank you for joining us this morning. If you want to go back and look at some of the other uh, teachings or download those to your computer in MP3 format, you can do so by going to www.ravenoutreach.blogspot.com. I'll say that again, www.ravenoutreach.blogspot.com. Those teachings are made available in MP3 format each day, probably within uh, 8 to 10 hours after the class. And you can actually go to www.raveninstitute.blogspot.com and download the first two chapters in their entirety. I believe that's 20-something lessons there that you can go on. And as each chapter is completed, we'll go and we'll make those things available at the raveninstitute.blogspot.com as well. But good to have you this morning. And uh, I'm believing that God's going to really show us some great things. I, I was sitting here just as I was just praying and getting ready for the, the message this morning. And, and sometimes, you know, you, you, God speaks something to you and it literally just kind of takes your breath away. I don't know if you've experienced that type of thing. But I, I was sitting here and I, and I read something that's just like, boom. And it's like my heart skipped. And, and, you know, I believe that that's the way that the Word of God is because it's a living Word. And it provides something for us that's the, the bread of life. And so I'm believing that God is wanting to make our heart skip. That He's wanting to make our heart leap literally within us with that, that great joy of just that discovery of His Word. Because I believe that we live in, in perilous times. And the Word says that in the last days that men would give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And it also says in Second Timothy chapter 4, that the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine. And so it's so important for us to get into a book like the book of Romans. That way we're not uh, uh, deceived by the, those false teachings, those type of things. And, and I've said this time and time again, I'll say this for the benefit of those that may be coming in late on this teaching. Uh, we don't believe that this is the end-all wherewithal uh, on Bible teaching. We just, our desire is, is to ignite a passion and a desire and a hunger for you to get in the Word yourself. Do we believe that we're offering some very good critical things? Absolutely. Do we believe we're probably going to be sharing some things that will just cause the lights to pop on? Absolutely. I believe that God is, has, has blessed me with some, some insight on some of the subject matter. But by all means, I expect you to be Berean-like according to Acts 17.11. It says that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians, and they received the word readily from Paul the Apostle, but they searched the Scriptures daily to see if it's so. And so I want you to really get that attitude 
So I want to receive this, but I'm going to go get in my word and add to those things and allow God to bring revelation to me. If you've got any questions about what we're teaching or if there's something that I don't explain uh, completely, we welcome your questions. If you say, man, you're just off and you want to discuss that, I'm, I'm open to that as well. You can email me. I'm Pastor Troy Bond. And my email address is raven, R-A-V-E-N, at biggrace.com, B-I-G-G-R-A-C-E.com. Or you can go to our website, www.biggrace.com. You'll find my telephone number on there. You're welcome to call me at any time and discuss the Word of God or anything related to our teaching. So good to have you this morning. Just pray that God will bless you. And let's just go to the Lord in prayer and just ask Him to be with us this morning as we get into God's Word. Father, we just thank you for this day because surely, Lord God, this is the day that you've made and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we know, Lord God, you said if we seek you, Lord God, that we'll find you. We come to the to the table of your Word, Lord God, today to seek your face, Lord God, and to know you in a more uh, deeper and intimate way. Father, our desire, Lord God, is to just be pleasing unto you. And Father, we just want to study, Lord God, to show ourselves approved unto God. And Father, we know, Lord God, that as we, we get into your Word, Lord God, and that Word gets in us, and as we abide in your Word, and that Word abides in us, Lord God, that Father, we, we, we begin to draw nigh to you, Lord God, with a pure heart. And Father, what my prayer is today, Lord God, that you just search our hearts, Lord God, try us, see if there be any wicked way within us. Lord God, what we desire, Lord God, is a purging, Lord God, a washing and a regeneration, Lord God, from those things that, that, are, that, that are past, Lord God, in our lives, those things that would hold us in bondage. And Father, we know that there's a freedom and a deliverance, Lord God, through the Word of God and through your Holy Spirit and by the blood of Jesus. And so, Father, as we come today, Lord God, we want that illumination. We want that light to be that lamp unto our feet, Lord God. We want it to be that light unto our path, Lord God. We want it to be, Lord God, that beacon that's, that's drawn us, Lord God, through the treacherous waters, Lord God, to the safety of the harbor, which is Christ Jesus. And so, Father, we just ask for your anointing today. I just ask for your ability to speak the word. Even as Paul prayed, I ask for utterance, Lord God, that I might open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. And Father, I declare, Lord God, even as John the Revelator said, Lord God, as he got that revelation on the, 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 the Isle of Patmos, Lord God, in his exile, he said, Lord God, let those that have eyes to see, see, and ears to hear, hear. And I pray, Lord God, that we would have eyes to see, Lord God, what you would want to reveal to us, and ears to hear, Lord God, that we would be receptive of the word, Lord God, that's, that's coming out from the Spirit of the Lord. And Father, we ask that our hearts, Lord God, would be would be like reservoirs, Lord God, to receive of your, your 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 ministry today. I ask that our minds, Lord God, would be open, Lord God, and receptive to the things that you would desire to teach us, Lord God. Cause us, Lord God, to have the mind of Christ and not be conformed to the image of this world, transformed, Lord God, that we might prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We thank you, Lord God. Let's ask you to touch each one, Lord God. Be with us, Lord God. Guide us in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Folks, we are, are really right in the book of uh, Romans chapter 3, verses, verse 25. We're going to dive right into this today because I want to, uh, I say this every time, but I want to try to make some headway into this into this place that we're at in regards to propitiation. I'm going to read the, kind of the, the three verses that we're working with here in, in this uh, segment of the class and of the teaching. And, uh, you know, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare there's righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. And we said this time and time again, and, and, and you guys can say it as well as I can now, that propitiation is that, is that, is that mercy seat. It's that type of the cross. And it's a place of atonement. And it's that place that we have a meeting with God. And so while we have sinned, and come short of God's glory that we're, we're being justified freely by His grace through the redemption of Christ Jesus. And He set forth that mercy seat, that propitiation, through faith 
in His blood. And so it brings us to this place. And so, folks, in yesterday's class, we dealt with a, what's probably a very sobering and, and probably challenging aspect of, of the subject of propitiation because what it did, and we were talking about, and you can, you can look back at those, that, that teaching or, or listen to it if you did not have the chance to, to be with us yesterday, but what it, what it does is when you begin to look at that responsibility that was shadowed in the Old Covenant, you, you, you see the responsibility of the priest in regards to entering into that holy place or that tabernacle of God. And so we're, we, uh, being a part of that priesthood or the believers, according to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 9, Revelation 1, 6, and, Re- 6, and Revelation 5, 10. I'll say that slower. 1 Peter 2, 9, Revelation 1, 6, and Revelation 5, 10. We've also been given this strong mandate, which is the spiritual fulfillment of that shadow of the law that we detailed yesterday in Leviticus 21, 6 through 23. They talked about the responsibility of the, the priests when they would come and bring the offering or to participate in those type of things. And folks, listen, Christ didn't come to do away with the law, but that He came that the law might be fulfilled in Him. And so what we've got to do when we study the Word of God, regardless if it's in the Gospels, whether it's in the Epistles, we've got to say, okay, what part of the, the shadow of the law is, is God trying to bring a fulfillment in, in the blood of Jesus in my life? We've got to personalize those type of things. Because nothing that God does was just just a, some type of random act just to kind of see what would happen. Everything that God does is line upon line, precept upon precept. And so as we go back and we, we begin to look at the, the shadows of the Old Covenant and the pictures of, of the things that God revealed uh, to those, those people under the law, I tell you what it does is, is because we've got the mind of Christ, because God through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, He said He'll, he'll send us that comforter that will lead and guide us into all truth, that we've got the ability to go back now and to draw from that source, to, 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 to get a greater revelation of those things, not just in, in their era or in their covenant, but literally under the covenant that we have now, the responsibility, because all those things were a type and a shadow to be, re- to, to be revealed and to be fulfilled in Christ Jesus. So we sit here as partakers of those things. And so uh, I, I think what happens sometimes when we begin to, to look at those, those issues about our responsibility, I, I know that, uh, that when you share those things, such as that what I've been teaching in regards to the tabernacle and propitiation, that sometimes it puts a lot of pressure on an individual and sometimes we walk away thinking to ourselves, you know what, there's just... No way that I can measure up. I, I've just got too many defects, according to, to, once again, to Leviticus 21, verse 17, to ever be worthy of entering into some type of deep relationship with God. And undoubtedly, when you teach a book, the book of Romans like this, you know, sometimes you're going to walk away thinking, man, you know, I've, I've heard many times comments, man, I just, I, I just don't know anything. I, I found that, you know, that, that what I thought I knew, I didn't know. Folks, listen, that's, that's the way we are every time we sit at the Lord's table. That, that His mercies and His goodness and His revelation are brand new every single morning. And so it's, it's like going to your favorite restaurant and, and, and eating something on the menu and coming back and you think, man, I didn't know it was this good. It got better today. Have I ever actually been here? And folks, it's the exact same way that God, His goodness is new every single morning. It's fresh every morning. And you know, uh, nearer is my salvation than when I first believed. As sweet as it was, uh, when I got saved at, at 18 years old and genuinely got born again, and I, you know I've been in church and people told me I was saved, but when I can point back to a time in my life where you know what it just clicked, I got it, and I could declare that if I, I was in Christ Jesus, I was a new creature. If I had to look at the as sweet as it was then, here as I said, 22 years later, 
It's it's sweeter than when I first believed. It's 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 it's, it's nearer to my heart. He's dearer to me, and there's a sweetness in those things. And and while I was just so thrilled when I first got saved and I felt clean and all those things, as I began to get into the Word of God, man, there's just such a greater revelation. There's a greater challenge to to dig deeper into the things of God, to to ask God to search my heart. God, I don't want anything inside of my life that would that would be a hindrance to my obedience to you, to be my, a, a hindrance to my faithfulness in you. I I don't want to. I don't want to regard iniquity in my heart, as the Word of God says. I don't want to. To to to, to as as Leviticus twenty one says. I don't want to be after your priesthood, but find myself uh, married to to the harlot, so to speak, or have a, a harlot's mentality, or or commit spiritual adultery in my heart, or these other things that take my affections or or take my attention away. And so when we we. We, we talk about these things. Sometimes it is difficult to just get past that place of, of feeling, you know what, am I ever going to attain those things? And, and folks, while condemnation, I want, I want to say this to you, while condemnation does not originate with God in, 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 in no way, shape, form, or fashion, we know, we'll see in, in Romans, unless you know the scripture out of Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 1, that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. They walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And that's really a key to it. And what we're walking in, because we're created and born again of the Spirit, we're walking in the Spirit. And so, while condemnation does not originate with God, realization does. I'm going to say that again. While condemnation does not originate with God, realization does. And what I mean by that is condemnation is the result of loving darkness rather than light because our deeds are evil. That's according to John 3.17. Whereas this realization comes from uh, the, the same experience that you, we see spoken of in Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 7. And I'll just, I'll just read that to you. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord seated upon the throne, high and lifted up, and now listen to the last part of this in, in conjunction with our, our discussion on the tabernacle and, the, and propitiation. And it says, I saw the Lord seated upon a throne, uh, that's a place of authority, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. The temple obviously being the, the latter version of that, that tabernacle. And it says, and above it stood the seraphim, each one had six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And so we're entering in. We see that thing that we're talking about. The holiness of God. The, 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 the nature of God. And it says, all of a sudden it says, uh, in verse 4, it says, The post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Speaking of the glory of God. Then in verse 5, and, and I'm sure each one of us finds ourselves here periodically. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And so folks, when we teach the Word, what we're doing is getting a revelation, and we're getting a picture of Jesus. And the, the, the natural thing to happen for us is to feel undone. We're, we're, we're to feel like, you know what, man, I'm challenged. I, I feel like I don't know anything. Why? Because the closer you get to Him, the greater detail you have for Him. I could ask you to describe something way across a room somewhere, and you may give me some type of basic uh, description of whatever it is that you're looking at. But if I tell you to take 20 steps closer to it or to get right nose to nose with it, you're going to begin to give me finite details of that thing. You're going to begin to talk to me about the, 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 the image or if it's got a stain on it or if, it's, or if there's some type of a reflection or if there's a, 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 a serial number. You'll be able to, to, to ascertain 
entertain those things greater because you get closer to it. And it's the same thing here. That when he was when, when he got brought to that place of realization, he was undone. And folks, we're the exact same way, which we need to be. Why? Because we draw nigh to him, he cast the light on those things that, that need to be purged out of our life. Then he said, then one of and he, and he said, My eyes have seen the king uh, uh, the king, the Lord of hosts. In verse six in Isaiah chapter six. Then flew one of the seraphims over to me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken uh, from it with the tongs off of the altar. And he, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched my lips, and, you, and mine iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Folks, the realization is that we are all undone. The realization is that we are all totally and completely dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. The realization is that apart from Him, apart from His mercy, apart from His grace, that there is no way that we could ever have access to that place uh, which is the glory of God. Unless we are hidden in Him, uh, unless we remain covered by His blood through faith and obedience to Christ Jesus, we will be exposed in our sin, in our inabilities, and we'll always see those glaring defects that we we're, were discussed yesterday in Leviticus chapter 21. And so the word, just as it says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned or all are defective. It says don't let any, no priest can have any defects. Some of you guys yesterday might have thought, you know what, there's just no way I can do anything for God because I've got so many defects. All have sinned, all have, are defective. So that's everybody. That's me, you, and everybody else that's ever been born. All have come short of the glory of the Lord. Romans 3.23 once again. And so folks, every single one of us find ourselves in that same exact situation. We find, find ourselves uh, in, 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 in the place where we need that. But I want you to look at something real quick. That, that, that Isaiah came face to face with the Lord of glory. And, and the veil of his flesh was, was immediately exposed. Folks, I don't know about you, but as I study the Word, man, I'm exposed. I get told on it. And it's like we've talked about looking in that, beholding ourselves like in a looking glass. And we talked about with the, with the, the, the bronze laver that the priest looked into that thing, which was a type of, the, of, the, of the, the judgment of God laid upon our flesh, but it was filled up with the water, which is indicative of the Holy Spirit, so they saw the reflection of himself through the Spirit, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that's even pressing through that veil. So once he was exposed to the presence of God, Boom! He had to come face to face with the veil which is his flesh. And folks, that's exactly the same way we do. When we come to a, to a house of worship and we ought to, we begin to worship the Lord, the, the, the fear of God ought to come upon us. Not, not, not an unclean fear, but the fear that we've been teaching about. That moral dread of being displeasing unto God. God, am I coming? Am I, am I offering a sacrifice of praise to you, Lord God, which is, which is filled with unforgiveness? Which was filled, it's filled with jealousy. Is it filled with pride, Lord God? I want whatever sacrifice and whatever offering that I, I give to you, Lord God, to be holy and acceptable. I want to be like Romans 12, uh, chapter, uh, uh, chapter 12, verse 1 says that, that I want to present myself, Lord God, as a living sacrifice of praise, holy and acceptable unto you, Lord God. So let anything be, everything be holy and acceptable. And as, as God reveals something, I'm going to lay those things down through repentance, through recognition, through renunciation, through reconciliation and the revelation of what God is, is speaking. I want that process to come into my life to, 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 to do a work in my life to cause me to draw closer to Him. And so Isaiah's limitations were, were, were glaring and they were also grievous. And so when we begin to, to, to look at ourselves in, in the light of God's Word, just like that, 
they, they become glaring. They become obvious. They become grievous. They become troubling in our heart. And those things are not, that's not condemnation. That's realization. And that's the revelation that God is bringing to our lives that's showing us any of those things that are destructive to us. I wrote an article just recently in our, uh, in our monthly newsletter. And some of you will be getting that in the mail that prescribed to it and uh, subscribe to it. And, and what I'm talking about in there is how the church has moved from a hospital mentality to a hospice mentality. In a hospital, that you're, you're going to find doctors. In a hospice, they don't employ doctors. They only employ nurses. In a hospital, they're there to, to bring healing to you. They're to bring restoration to you. They're, they're to get, they're to get you back on your feet. But in the hospice, they're just there to make you more comfortable where you are before you die. Folks, what's happened is the church has turned into that hospice. We've turned in, the, the, the church at large has turned into a place where people go and they just, they just want to numb you enough that, that you're not in pain. Folks, listen. In the hospital... Jesus is called the great physician. He's not called the nurse practitioner. He's not called the, 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 the hospice volunteer. He's called the great physician. And there's a scalpel that he has put in his hand, which is the Word of God. And what it's, what he since the Word of God is to expose those places and to, to excise that, 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 that those, those sicknesses and those, those spiritual cancers in our life. And so when he puts the scalpel to us, sometimes we're going to shout out with, a, with an ounce. Why? Because he doesn't anesthetize. He doesn't, he doesn't put us to sleep. He allows us to go through the whole procedure with our eyes wide open so we can see exactly what's happening. He's not trying to put us in some spiritual hospice that we just kind of get there and we're dumbed down and we're, we're, we're made more and more comfortable. But He puts us in a place that He can rehabilitate us, that He can heal us, that He can, he can reconcile us to Himself, and He can get us back out there on the, on the, on the, on the front lines. It's a spiritual mass unit. It's not there to, 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 to rub our feet and to pat us on the head, but it's there to, to, to build us up, to patch us up, to, to fill us up, and to send us back out there armed and dangerous for the cause of Christ Jesus. But uh, if you look at, at, at Isaiah chapter 6 in relationship to this to, to, to Romans 3.25, that, that, that when he saw the Lord, that he felt undone. But folks, not all was lost. If you remember in the discussion of this subject, uh, subject of propitiation, especially those veils, that the two inner veils had been embroidered with angelic beings on them that illustrated the judgment of God upon anyone that would enter that place unworthily. Now I want you to look what was happening in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 in conjunction with Romans uh, uh, 3, uh, 25 and in, uh, in regards to, uh, to uh, what is it? Uh, Leviticus chapter 21, verses 6 through 17. Then it says, Then one of the seraphims having a... Uh, having a live coal in his hand which he had taken with the tongs from the altar and he laid it upon my mouth and said lo he has touched my lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged in other words all those things that, 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 that you realize that were there all of a sudden boom those things are wiped away those things are purged those things are destroyed from you so what happened is he said see he had a, he had a live coal that's the ritzpah that's the, the word in the Hebrew for a live coal it, it, it was in his hand it's this, this glowing hot Fiery thing. It's almost like when you when you see someone that they're 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 uh, they're, they're burning iron or a blacksmith and they're pounding on something. It's, it's that glowing white hot. And he said he took something that was white hot. He took the ritzpah and he said he took it in his hand. And this is the type of the Holy Spirit touching a person's life and making that which was unclean suddenly clean. And so if I've got something that's that's that's, that's that's defiled. What do I do? I can heat that thing up and I can burn away all the impurities. If I'm somewhere that the, the water has been tainted, I'll boil that water and I'll bur uh, burn up all those things. And so it says that when 
Isaiah came into that temple in that type of tabernacle and he saw the Lord suddenly, boom, he was undone. There was a realization that there's, there's this sin in his life. There's these things. And he'd come face to face with the glory of the Lord. And he said, God, you know what? I, I dwell amongst the unclean people. But suddenly, it says that that, that angel took that ritzba, he took that hot, glaring, fire, sin-consuming coal, and it touched his mouth. It touched that place that, that, that's the type of the sin coming in our, our, our lives. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth is that place that reveals what's on the inside of us. And it says that all those things were suddenly made clean. Folks, all have sinned, all are undone, all are defective, all have come short of the glory of God. But for you and for me, there is a ritzba, there is a live coal that has been given to provide us access beyond the, the limitations or the failure of our own flesh. That there's a, a coal that God has placed upon our mouth, that's placed upon our life, a type of the Holy Spirit that's going to propel us past the limitations of who we are and cause us to grab a hold of, of who He is and, and press through those veils. And folks, we've, we've talked about and we've discussed these, these three veils of the tabernacle really in detail over the last three messages that they, they correspond to the three baptisms, the baptism under repentance, the baptism in water, and the baptism in the Holy Ghost uh, and with fire. But we've also talked about those veils as the veil of justification, the veil of sanctification, and the veil of glorification. So folks, our ultimate goal wasn't just to come through that entry gate. It was our goal. Our goal wasn't just to be justified before God. Okay, I got saved and now I guess I don't have to go to hell and now I'm going to get about my business. Folks, if that's our goal, we have come up short of the prize. Paul said, listen, I forget those things that are behind. I forget the veil that was just solely for my justification. I forget the veil that was solely for my sanctification. And I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up and the train of His robe filled the temple. And so there's a pursuit of that, that, that the prize or that place that He desires to take us from, from one glory to another glory to another glory so we can get to that place of the manifest presence of God and, and, the, and the realization of who He is in every area of our lives. And so our goal is to pass through that third veil and get to that place of literally abiding in Christ and getting to that place of a continual realization of the glory of the Lord. Aren't you tired in your life of living that roller coaster life? That one day, boy, it's real high. That I was in the Word. I was in prayer. It was a tremendous time of worship. Then the next day, boy, I'm just dragging and all the cares of the world have come down upon me. Folks, I refuse to live like that. I refuse to live like I did when I was lost. That when I was in the, in, in the world, when I was lost, man, if my circumstances dictated it, man, I was happy. But if things weren't going my way or uh, I was in a bad relationship or whatever it was, then I was down. Folks, listen. I, I don't want to be built upon the sand. I don't want things to be shifting under my feet with circumstances, with financial problems, with relational problems, with situational difficulties. I don't want to be built upon that. But he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want my feet to be founded upon the rock which is Christ Jesus, upon that word which is solid, that when heaven and earth will pass away, when my circumstances will change, when they may be good, when they may be bad, but he said that my word would not pass away. Folks, that's why we've got to continue to endeavor to get a hold of the word of God and to allow that word to become life, to allow that word to become manna to us, to become our source on a daily basis so we can, so we can come to that place of a continual, and I want to say that again, to that continual realization, that continual walking, that, that we'll know what it means when 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says to pray without ceasing, to have that continuous uh, uh, 
communion with Him. And it's not just when I, when I lay down my head and now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Or when I sit down at a table and, 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 and about to eat, Lord, I just thank You for this food. That No, it's, a, it's an abiding in Him. It's a continuous revelation and, and a realization and a listening to Him. My sheep know my voice and another they will not follow. But there's a continuous God speaking into our hearts and lives where, whether we're driving down the road or whether we're at work or, or whatever we're doing, there, there's that continuous manifestation of God speaking and pouring into us and, and we're calling out to Him and He's pouring into us. That's where you get to that place of passing through that third veil of glorification. I believe that's the goal of every single one of us. But, here we go again with the but, but all have sinned and come up short of the glory of God. Folks, that glory speaks of getting past those fleshly defects that, that keep us literally from proceeding to that place that we can ultimately say with the prophet, Lord God, here I am, send me. Man, I've got past those defects. I've got past that, those inhibitions. I've got past those fears. I've got past those sins that so easily beset us. I've got past through all those things that have, that have brought a limitation to me. And, 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 and just as there was a live cold, just as there was that spiritual rest before me, that I believe that today that there is a live cold that God is designed to put upon our lips and to put upon our mind, to put upon our thoughts, to put upon our circumstances. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, verses 14 and I'm going to read through chapter 3 verse 14 all the way into chapter 4 verse 6 and so 14 uh, out of chapter 3 so that's 2 Corinthians 3 14 through 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 before you're thinking boy he's going to read the whole chapter 4 there's only 18 verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and most of you know that these, uh, these uh, chapter breaks weren't put in by the authors they were put in by translators to just bring some clarity and, and to make it easier for us to, to, to search these things. So that's first Corinthians, second, excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter three, verse fourteen through Second Corinthians chapter four, verse six. Thank you very much. And here's what it says. It says, But their minds were made dull, for to this day, to right now, folks, where we're sitting, the same veil now listen to these words, remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. So folks, listen. You will never get past the separation of those veils of your flesh, of your limitations. It, it's not removed. It's there. But the only way that it's taken away is through faith in Christ Jesus. In verse 15, Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. Let me ask you a question. Some of you guys, as we talked about the book of Romans, and we've really uh, spent a lot of quality time, and I think very necessary time, dealing with Romans 3.25 on the subject of what propitiation is. How many of you in the, it, that have said just in this last week, listen, I, I never saw it like that. I, I never did understand even what propitiation was. And even when I did read the, the, about the tabernacle and things along, I never saw these things like that. In other words, that there was a veil that had been upon you. But through the Spirit of God and through these opportunities that we have to set and, and allow the, the, the Spirit of God to teach us, it's almost like a veil has been ripped off of your eyes. Anybody been that way? I, I know myself, even though I've, I've studied these things, even though I've, 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 God has shown me these things, each and every time I, just, I hear that veil just ripping a little bit more, a greater exposure to the things of God. And so it says, even to this day when Moses is, 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 is read, the veil covers their hearts. And so we've got to come to that place where that veil is torn away. But whenever, I love this, verse 16. And folks, this is the good news for you. This is the flip side of how, how difficult it seemed yesterday in, in our teaching on, on this same subject matter. 
But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. As difficult, folks, as it seemed yesterday when we talked about the responsibility of the priesthood and that, that no defects would be allowed in, within the priesthood. Folks, here's, here's, here's the promise that we have. Here's, the, here's the, the realization of the mercy of God and the grace of God and the, 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 the power of the blood of Jesus, the power of the spiritual ritzpah, the, the live coal, the Spirit of God that's come into our life that's changed us. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, in other words, when anyone looks to Him, that, that our great high priest, to, to that source, it says that the veil is taken away. That division, that place of separation, the limitations, the defects, the, the coming up short of God's glory is removed. And in verse 17 it says, Now the Lord is Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, that there's a freedom, there's a deliverance, that there's a hope, there's an empowerment, there's a victory for us. In verse 18, and, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Folks, i got news for you. What God desires for us is not just a glory, but for an ever-increasing glory. And so when we begin to, to, through faith in Jesus Christ, to begin to press through that veil, we come to that place of an ever-increasing glory in Christ Jesus, a greater revelation, a greater righteousness, a greater holiness, a greater victory, a greater understanding, a greater obedience, a greater passion, a greater compassion for the lost, a greater desire, a, a greater denying of ourselves, a, a greater and ever increasing glory into the things of God. Now chapter 4, just jump to that, that chapter break into verse 1. It says, therefore, somebody say therefore, since, and so as a result of us coming to that place of ever in, in, increasing glory, it says, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, folks, we don't lose heart. In other words, man, we're not in condemnation. Because we're walking according to the Spirit. And we're not trying to press through those veils through our own willpower. We're not trying to press through those veils and say, you know what, man, if I just go to church enough, if I just sit in on the service enough, if I just have the right worship tapes, if I just memorize enough Scripture. Folks, listen, you can, I know folks that, that memorize Scripture more than I do, and, and they are going straight to hell because they do not know Christ Jesus. They are full of wickedness. They are not born again. All they are is they'll recite things by rote, but the fruit of their life, and they do not declare Christ Jesus. Jesus is Lord. It's not about that. I know that the church is full of people that are going to hell, unfortunately, because there's a wide gate, according to Matthew chapter 7, that leads to destruction. There's a narrow way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. And so I, I know that the die has been cast, that, that there's a narrow way. And so it's not about your willpower. If I can just not do this, or I can just not say this. Folks, it's, it's never been about your ability. Why? Because you are defective. I am defective. We have all come short of the glory of God. But it's through that mercy of God and through that ministry that He has, he has brought into our lives that we don't lose heart. We don't, we don't lose heart not because of our ability. We, we lose heart because of the ability of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, rather, we have renounced the secret and shameful ways we do not use deception nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, I want to say this folks, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Guys, this is so in, in our day and age, verse two of, of, of 2 Corinthians chapter three, uh, excuse me, chapter four is so important. He said, Rather we renounce Secret and shameful ways. If you'll remember a few lessons back when I talked about what repentance was. Repentance starts with, with recognition. That's the re revealing. That when you pass through, I'm undone. 
But the next thing that it brings about is that renunciation. We've renounced those secret things and those shameful ways. Those things that are in our heart, those things in our life, we've renounced those things. We've said, Satan, you have no more power over us. You don't have no power to bring condemnation to us. That we've been that this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith according to first John four and one. That we've got an ability that transcends our limitations because our faith is in Christ Jesus. And he said, We do not use deception. In other words, we're not going to hide those things because we know that he that hides his sin will not prosper. And so, God, we want that stuff exposed in our life. And I love the next part. Nor do we distort the Word of God. Folks, we said from day one of this teaching, lesson one, listen, all, all Scripture is given by God under inspiration of the Holy Ghost. It is that, that Theonustos, it's God-breathed, and that, 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 that He tells us to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, that we've got to be like workmen, rightly dividing the Word of God, who need not be ashamed. And He said, do not distort the Word of God. And so what we deal with so many times in, in, in this ministry and in the teaching of the Word of God is, is when you begin to teach the truth, boy, it, it runs up and it pierces those things and those, those, those people literally that will distort the Word of God. The Word of God tells us that it says before the son of perdition is revealed. In other words, before the, the end comes, before the great tribulation, before the rapture of the church, it says that there will be a great falling away first. That word falling away in the Greek is the apostasia. It's a deviation from the truth. It's a distortion of the Word of God. And so folks, we know what the Word says, that there's a distortion coming. But the only way to keep ourselves from falling into that distortion, to falling into that deception, to falling into that apostasia, is to 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 uh, bring that that realization and to renounce those things that are secret and those things that are that are shameful in those ways, and not to use deception, not to hide those things, but to say, God, you know what? Here I am. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way within us, and allow those things. And it says, on the contrary, but on the flip side, he said we need to set forth the truth plainly. Now, folks, listen. What what I may lack in bedside manner, I want to more than wake up, uh, make up for in just setting forth the truth plainly. Listen, I would rather you not like me and know the truth than rather love me and be deceived. That's just what it is. I'm, I'm not running for office. I'm not looking for any votes. The thing that I'm after is not sacrifice. It's obedience. I want to be obedient unto God. I'm not looking to get my pockets filled up by teaching something that's going to tickle someone's ears. I'm not going to tell you if you'll, if you'll sow a, a certain amount of money into this ministry that you're going to be rich. Uh, chances are you may not be. That those who walk in Christ, that, that walk godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer persecution. I, I realize those things. Will God supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus? Absolutely. If you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, will those things that you need be added unto you? Absolutely they will. I'm not going to distort the truth to make you feel better. I'm not going to distort the truth to, to make you uh, 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 more comfortable. I'm not going to do those things. On the contrary, I'm going to put forth the truth plainly. And I encourage all of you that are sitting under this, 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 this teaching, set forth the truth plainly. Because when people know the truth, the truth makes them free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And there's, the Spirit of the Lord is in truth. It's in righteousness. It's, it's in holiness. It's in the, the fear of God. It's not in, in some uh, watered-down, pastel-pink, uh, 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 greasy grace that, 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 that doesn't produce any growth in a person's life. The truth of God is revealed when, when we set it forth plainly. And it says, in doing so, we commend ourselves 
to every man's conscience. In other words, what we're doing is we're setting forth and we're, we're, we're bringing a word that's going to pierce and it's going to challenge the consciences of man. It's going to convict him of sin, of righteousness, and of, and of judgment. Then he says, in the sight of God. So they're going to come face to face with that realization just like we have to come face to face. It says, if our gospel is veiled, King James says, if our gospel be hid. Another translation says, if our gospel be veiled, it is veiled to those that are lost. It is veiled to those that are perishing. It is hidden to those that are lost. And it says in verse 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, uh, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the... Here's that glory again. We want to get to that, that, that veil of glorification, which is the glory that is of Christ Jesus, who is in the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but we preach Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as our servants for Jesus Christ's sake. Folks, listen. He said He came not into the world to be served, but to serve. But He also said the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. Listen, if you're looking at leadership in some elevated place, uh, and position that you don't have to do anything, folks, get out of it. It's it's not some uh, some untouchable spot, but but to be a leader, to be a teacher of the word, to be a minister in the kingdom of God is to be a servant. It's literally to be a laborer in those harvest fields. Then what? Here's what he said in verse six. He said, "For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus." Folks. As the priest would pass through the second veil, he didn't go empty-handed. But he went with the blood of Jesus. And folks, listen, as we go into that place and, and say, God, bring us that place of, of maturity. Bring us that place that we're henceforth not tossed about by as, as little children, tossed about by every wind of doctrine, according to the book of Ephesians. But Lord God, let us be built up in that spiritual house. Let us be that body fitly joined together, each one supplying the need of the other. Lord God, I thank you that when I, when I pass through that veil of my flesh, that I'm not passing through on my own merits, I'm not passing through by my own uh, self-righteousness or my good works, Lord God, that I'm coming. And so when that, that priest would come, that he came not empty-handed, but he came with the blood of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, 13 and 14. Ephesians 2, verses 13 and 14. It says, But now in Christ... Now where? In Christ, you who once were far off, you on the outer courts, were brought near by the blood of Christ Jesus. For He Himself is our peace, who made both one and has broken down that middle wall of separation. Ephesians 2, 13 and 14. But now in Christ, we were far off, folks. We couldn't approach Him. We were undone. We were, we, were, we were defective. But it says, but now we've been brought near by the blood of Christ Jesus that we've got an offering in our hand. So folks, just as that priest would catch the blood that spilled forth from that sacrifice that had been made upon that, that, that brazen altar, it would carry it, it would bring it as his offering. It would, it would, and, and it was literally an offering or a pass key. Or it, was his, it, was, it was his access card, literally, into the holy place. So our high priest, who is Jesus Christ, has taken his own blood as an offering on our behalf and allowed us to pass through those places. Even though we were, we were far off, we were all in sin to come short of the glory of God. He has become our propitiation. He's become our place of meeting. He's become our mercy seat. And He's taken His own blood according to Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16. It's seeing, that, it's seeing now that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. Jesus the Son of God, He said, Let us hold fast our profession for we have not a high priest who cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmity 
infirmities, but is in all ways tempted like we are yet without sin. And he said, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace uh, uh, to help in our time of need. And because of that, because of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 16, that we've got a high priest now who's not limited by defects. He's not limited by the things of the flesh, but he carries the, 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 the offering of his own blood Bringing that middle wall of partition, drawing back those veils that we can come boldly into that throne room of grace and mercy. We can come to that place of God's glory. We can come into that holy place and tabernacle with Him. We can find that mercy. We can find that peace. We can find that presence. We can find that victory according to Him. Now, listen to this, folks. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19-23. Colossians 1, 19-23. It says, look, Colossians 1, 19-23, if you're turning there. For it pleased the Father that in Him, speaking of Jesus, that all the fullness should dwell. And by Him to reconcile all things. To reconcile means to be brought back to a right relationship, to be restored to divine favor, to Himself by Him, which is Jesus, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Now listen, having made peace through the blood of the cross. Folks, the peace is made through the blood of the cross. Listen, folks say, you know what, I don't have any peace about it. Well, you just need to get near the cross and you're going to have peace about everything because He's the, the Prince of Peace. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. And you who were once alienated in enemies, you who were once defective, you who, who, who were once undone, you who once fell short of the glory uh, and, and were alienated, were enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He is reconciled. He has brought you near in the, uh, in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in His life. Now folks, what Jesus has done is He has brought you to that place when you walk in that faith, when you walk in those type of things. Now I'm going to give you verse 23. I want to read that. Who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He is reconciled in the body of His flesh to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in His sight. Now verse 23 of Colossians 1. If indeed... Now, we can't ever miss the if and deeds or the but also's. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded, steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, which I, Paul, became a minister. Folks, listen. There is a promise that he's going to present us holy, blameless, and above reproach. But there's a responsibility for us to continue in the faith to be grounded, to be steadfast, and not to be moved away from the hope of the gospel that He has for us. So there's our responsibility as we press in to say, God, you know what? I want you to be that, that source for me. So folks, listen. Here's what's so interesting too in that. If we, if we look back just for a second, I want to fall back just a minute and just give you something to think about. When, when Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, that, that he said suddenly that, 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 that seraphim, that angelic being, took the coal off the altar. What's, I want to give you something significant about that to think about it. When we look at the, the tabernacle or that place of propitiation or that place that was the, the, the meeting place that housed the, the mercy seat, the type of the cross, we notice that on that second and third veil that, that entered into the holy place and into the, 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 the veil of glorification, that on those veils there was angelic beings that spoke of judgment. But now look, we, we see that, that picture that, 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 that Isaiah got when he got to see into the throne room of grace and mercy. And so in seeing those things, what he got to see was the power of God made manifest. He got to see the realization of those things. And, but that angel wasn't an angel that brought judgment. 
But it was an angel that brought the ritzpah. It was an angel that brought the clarity, of, uh, an angel that brought the victory, that brought the power of God into his life to bring a power upon him. And so folks, I really want to bring that point that God comes now with mercy because of the blood of Jesus for us, because of the sacrifice that God made for us, no longer do we need to view those things or view those veils as a place of judgment, but we need to view those veils as a place of victory that God is bringing into our life. And he said, if you call upon me, I'm near. If he said, you'll seek me, I'll find you. And he'll bring that realization and that revelation to those things that we can renounce those hidden things. We can renounce those things. And it says that, 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 that we can have that reflection in Him uh, and the power of God made manifest in our life and with no reproach in His sight. I really want to bring that out because I wanted you to see how those veils differ and how the blood of Jesus takes away the condemnation and it brings, rather than the, the angels being a source or messengers of judgment, they become messengers of life and they become messengers of victory for us in Jesus Christ. And so I wanted, I wanted to bring that, that point to you. Now, folks, as they, they press through that place of that propitiation, and I'm going to make some headway here in the next, in the next ten minutes as we get ready to close out this morning. But as, they, as you press through that, that veil of, of justification of, 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 and of sanctification, the second veil, the thing that you find they're waiting upon you is, is, is on your, your left-hand side. When you walk into the tabernacle, you'll see the, 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 the seven golden candlesticks. The, in, in the Jewish language, they call it the menorah now. And on the right-hand side, you'll see that table of showbread. And that, that, that table was there, and it was a place that the, the 12 loaves that were established, it was a place that they were, uh, uh, they laid the 12 loaves and they had the, the instruments that were for that type of sacrifice. But folks, right in front of you, what you would see is you would see that golden altar of incense. And so you pass through this veil, I'm going to give you this picture, you pass through the veil of sanctification, and immediately that veil closes behind you, and on your left you see this, these seven golden candlesticks, on the right-hand side, you see the table of showbread. But right in front of you, you see this, this golden altar of incense. I want to give you some scripture real quick. Exodus chapter 25, verses 23 through 30. Exodus 25, verses 23 through 30. He said, You shall make a table of acacia wood. He said, Two cubits shall be its length, its cubits its width, and its cubits half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold, and make a molding of gold all around it. You shall make it a, a, a frame of a handbreadth all around, and you shall make a gold molding for the frame all around. And you shall make it with four rings of gold, and put the rings on the four corners that are its four legs. The rings shall be close to the frame, as holders for the poles to bear the table. And you shall make the poles of a case wood, and overlay them with gold, that the table may be carried with them. You shall make its dishes, its pans and pitchers, its bowls for pouring. You shall make them of pure gold, and you shall set the showbread on the table before me always. And so, folks, I want, I want to say something. Number one, I want to talk about the, uh, the, the way that the, uh, the, the construction of that table of showbread. If you'll notice, outside of that, that veil of sanctification, all the elements were made of acacia wood, the, 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 the golden uh, altar of sacrifice, the, the brazen altar, excuse me, of sacrifice, they were all overlaid, though, with bronze, which spoke of judgment. Folks, once you, you come past that place and, and, and God comes into your life and brings that sanctification, folks, it's no longer about the judgment of God. It's about the, the mercy of God. And so what you'll see in those situations is that the power of God is made manifest uh, uh, in, us, in, in, the, in the holy place. And so the wood overlaid with gold speaks of the, the, uh, the humanity of God, 
with the overlaying of gold, which is the deity of Christ Jesus. And so outside, all we saw was judgment. But once you come into that place of fellowship and you come into that place of, 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 of the glory of God, what God wants to do is He wants to reveal His deity to you. He wants to reveal His power to you. He wants to reveal His victory to you and all those things that He's called you to be. And so if you, if you look, the purpose of the, the, that golden table was literally to hold 12 cakes of bread. And they were made of fine flour. They were unleavened or anything from the world. And so when it talks about unleavened bread, it's talking about nothing that was touched to the world. That's why the Scripture talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He said a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And so when we talk about leaven and so this unleavened bread that was these, these loaves, it's something that is not tainted by the world. And so it's not a, a, a lot of God and a little bit of the world. Because a little bit of leaven, what it will do, it will encroach upon the whole loaf. And so when you make a loaf of bread, you put just a little bit of leaven in it. You put just a little bit of yeast. And what does it do? It causes the whole loaf to rise and to become something that it wasn't otherwise. And so this, this leaven uh, uh, that was avoided in this situation says, listen, nothing from the outside world is going to come in. Nothing from my flesh can be a part of that. That's why it's so uh, important to realize that we can't serve two masters. That we can't have our hand in the world and our hand in the kingdom. That the word says that we can't serve those two. So we'll hate one, hate the other. He said we're either gathering with him or we're scattering abroad. And so folks, really what that, that table and those twelve loaves speak of is, is not having ourselves uh, bound by the world. Pure religion, undefiled before God, is to, to, to minister to the, the fatherless and the widows and their affliction and to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. To keep ourselves unaffected and undefiled by the, 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 the leaven of this world. We can't, we can't allow ourselves to dabble in those type of things. We've got to cause the, the victory of God to come into our life. And so Leviticus chapter 24, write this down, verses 5 through 9. It says, You shall take that fine flour and you'll bake twelve cakes with it. Two tenths and ephaps shall be in each cake. You shall set them in two rows, six in one row, on the pure table of gold before the Lord. And you shall uh, uh, pour pure frankincense on each row, that it may have the bread, may be the bread for a memorial, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Every Sabbath you shall set it in order before the Lord continually. In other words, you'll replace every Sabbath you'll replace them with fresh loaves, being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be for Aaron and his sons that they shall eat in the holy place, for it's most holy to them. Uh, from the offerings of the Lord made by fire and by a perpetual statue. Folks, that, that it, it's an unleavened bread. But I think what's interesting about that is when you go into that place, you'll notice that there's a there's the golden candlesticks that are always lit, that they're filled with oil, that they're always poured out. Then you'll, you'll see on the right-hand side that there's a table of showbread with the twelve loaves. There's the, the, the golden altar of incense, but there's no chairs. There's no place to sit down. And I believe that's, that's really important because the Word tells us not to grow weary in well-doing because in due season we'll reap if we do not faint. And so what it, the, the, the picture that's given is the priest coming to minister that is, is a place of, of servanthood. It's, it's a maintaining that servant's attitude rather than digressing or falling back to that place of, of, of complacency or that, that place of not doing anything for the kingdom. And it's, it's, it's what it speaks of is once again that Philippians chapter 3 of, of pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God which is in Christ Jesus. So, so there's nowhere to sit down that we've got to know that we're going to reap in due season if we do not faint. And so I'm going to give you a few pictures here. Uh, it was a table made of a case of wood overlaid with gold. It was a cubit, uh, two cubits long, a cubit wide, uh, which was exactly the same size as the Ark of the Covenant that we're going to see. It, it was covered with gold all around. Uh, 
the, the molding was the width of a hand, which is interesting. I'll bring that up in just a, a minute. It, it had gold ring at each uh, corner leg. Uh, it had four vessels. The vessels were made out of pure gold. They had dishes, pan spoons, pictures, uh, bowls. All these things were, were pictures of the offering, of the, of the, the sacrifice. And so all those things, that, then that showbread was, 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 was 12 loaves. They were flat loaves laid about in an orderly fashion. But what they were is they were a type of the, the, of the Word of God. But not only that, the 12 uh, indicated that, 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 that the whole of God's people. We see in the, the Old Covenant that there was the, 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 the patriarchs. We see in the, the New Covenant that there was the, 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 the apostles. And so God was, was yoking the law and the prophets together. He was yoking, uh, yoking the, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant together in Him. And so in Leviticus 24-7, He says, Put a frankincense on each row that it may be a bread for memorial and offering unto the Lord by fire. And so here we come, coming into that place of the glory of the Lord. And so all these elements, and I don't have time to really get into them as much as I want to today, and I'll cover them tomorrow as we're pressing into that, that next place. But there was, there was, there was a, 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 like I said, I want to cover this one more time. The priests always stood when they carried out their, 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 uh, their priestly duties. Now listen to this. Hebrews 10, 11 to 14. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. And it said, Every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away our sins. So when he went in, he was offering something that couldn't. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins to ever, he sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has made perfect forever those things which are being sanctified. Come through that veil of sanctification. What's important about that, folks, and what I, the point I'm trying to make is, for us, Jesus was that one high priest who came, he made that sacrifice, and he was able to sit down. Why? Because his work was finished. When he sat upon the cross, it is finished. It is. But he said, the things that I do, you'll do also, and greater works are more tiresome labor, labor because I go to be with the Father. And so, though the work of salvation has been accomplished, there's no chair in that place for us as, as his under-shepherds to sit down because we've got to work to pursue after the lost and dying until Jesus comes and he makes his enemies his footstools. Folks, I'm out of time today, unfortunately, but tomorrow we're going to talk into that and we're, we're going to press through, literally press through that veil, that last veil that we talk about, that veil of glorification, and we're going to close out verse 25 in tomorrow's class. Folks, get into God's Word today, allow God's Word to get into you, and we'll see you tomorrow at the same time. God bless you and have a great day.